we serve a Lord who's beating a, a drum that just doesn't quite follow the rhythm of the world. It's a different rhythm. And we follow him, and he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give. The world says, instead, bow down to me, <laughs> serve me, honor me. So it's, it's, it's a dissonant. It's, it's, it goes, it rubs against. And sometimes that's going to happen for us. But the overarching umbrella over serve with me is where it comes from. And that is loving God and loving people. The, the two great commandments, the first and second. And uh, if, if some of you remember, uh, some of those of you went with, uh, to Base Point, my home, and, and we talked about uh, Highland and our values and where we're going and how we're getting there, shared with you about how basically as a church, that's what we're about. We're, we're not about religion, we're about loving God and loving people. And that's the overarching thing, and that's where everything overflows. And uh, w one of the other things that I just, just wanna remind you of that I, I shared with some of you in Base Point was just the fact that as a, uh, a missional church, really what we're trying to do as we're growing, and we are a church that's growing, and, uh, but we wanna grow not like a blob. I don't know if you've seen the old 50s movie where there's this giant blob and it goes around just sucking up people. And, and for those of you who haven't, you probably saw some sort of sci-fi movie where there's the Borg and they assimilate and they keep assimilating, sucking up things. All right, same concept. It's just turning into a giant blob. And there's a lot of losing identity, losing individuality, and losing those things, but the Lord designed you specifically. Well, the Bible talks about growth in a different way. It talks about it as a human body. And the human body grows with design and purpose. And there's specific things that are developed. You know, on my hand, I have fingers, and within those fingers, I have these capillaries that go to veins, and veins go to arteries, and it all connects, and there's systems working together. And it's the same way in the body of Christ, spiritually, that we, we grow together with design and purpose. And so this retreat that we're looking at is, is very significant for our church because it's a point in our growth where there are specialty and, and design and purpose. And, uh, and we're at a point in this church, too, is in our growth where, you know, I, I think there's a, sometimes you can look around and go, oh, you know, there's not, there's, there's kind of a lot of people here, you know. And uh, when we talk about opportunities to, to serve or to do or to go or to give, sometimes it's real easy to go, you know what, there's a lot of people here. Someone else will do it. Well, you know what? There's been a lot of people saying that, and there isn't. There isn't someone else doing it. If you don't do it, nobody will. And that's the place we're at. And uh, so it's time for us to really figure out um, that we're, each of us are significant in the body of Christ and that there are no, uh, every, just like your body, every cell has purpose. Every cell is designed to fit in a certain place. So, significance of the retreat, and I just really wanna encourage you to come. And it's, it's not just about doing, but it's also about being together, which being a church that rents places and we're in and out and have to set up quick and tear down quick, it's gonna be great just to kinda settle and just hang out and know each other better. So I really want to encourage you to come. Now, today, uh, what we're talking about is this idea of, of serving men as if we're serving the Lord. Well, well, where does that come from? Well, you heard the passage from Matthew 25, which is a significant passage, Jesus' words in his parable. But I, I, want to, I want to 
share with you some more. This is Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. You know, this, this verse comes from a passage in the Bible that describes how slaves should relate to their masters. Now, those are two words we don't use often today. Uh, it's kind of foreign to us. Uh, but anyway, I, I'll come back to that in a little bit with those words. But what I want you to understand and, and what I'd like to assert and to acknowledge is that there is a correlation for us today. And the correlation may not be one that we want to hear right at this moment. But the relationship, it, 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 it correlates to our relationship as in employees and employers. Sorry. Sorry to say that on a Sunday. And, and, and so basically, you know, work as if you're working for the Lord, not your boss. Mm, yikes. Well, Ephesians 6, 7 also describes the same thing. So this isn't just one occurrence in the Bible and, and it's just some little random thing and we go, oh, maybe we can just kind of ignore that and not look at it. Well, Ephesians 6, 7 says, in uh, a similar passage, again, talking about slaves and masters, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Now, now here's the thing that I'd like you to notice about these two passages and, and it's just two things I want you to think about right now. And the first thing is, is that in both passages, service is to be done wholeheartedly, with zeal, to keep at a boiling point. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you remember. Got our little object thing here to remind you. Fire. So um, anyway, we're to serve wholeheartedly. That's one thing in both of these passages Again, it's talked about. And the second thing that's mentioned in both of these passages is that service to, to people should be viewed really as service to the Lord. I know we've said it a lot in the last few moments, but this is a really simple idea, but it's a big idea, all right? And if we could grab onto this big idea, it could really make a difference. You know, it, this might be a frightening thing to do on a Sunday morning, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to use your imaginations with me. And, and I want you to think about your boss right now. I know, you don't want to do that on Sunday. But, but think about your boss. And if you're, you run your own business and you're your own boss, uh, you can go along and, and think of yourself, all right? Uh, that might be a little odd too. But anyway, picture that boss or picture yourself in their work clothes, in their workspace, all right? Can you picture that? Thinking in your head? All right? All right, now think about the work you do for that business and for your boss. Think about that. All right. All right, here comes the switcheroo. Now instead of your boss in those work clothes in that workspace, picture Jesus in those work clothes and in that workspace. All right? Think about him there. I know that might be a little odd too, but imagine, use your imagination. All right? Now picture yourself. You're going in to report to your boss, and you're going to tell your boss about what's been going on, about your work. And, and, and instead of your boss, it's Jesus, all right? You're going to Jesus. And when you bring a report of your work and you begin explain it to Jesus, imagine, are you, are you a little bit excited? Are you a little excited to tell Jesus about what you've been up to, what you've been doing, how's it been going? Or are you just a little bit ashamed because you're kind of like, wow, I, I wish I put a, a little more effort into this now that I'm talking to you Jesus 
Yeah? All right, keep going with me on your imagination here. Suppose it's evaluation time. You know, every six months there's evaluation of employees, and, and you're going in not to the boss, but you're going in to Jesus. And it's Jesus, and he's looking over the past six months of work, and he's kind of leafing through, and he's talking with you, and he's, he's not just talking about your work, but he's talking about your attitude with work, your attitude with your, and your relationship with your coworkers, and he's talking about your relationship with, with him as the boss and how communication has been going. And as he's talking, do you, do you imagine that, that as Jesus looks over all this and he's talking to you, do you imagine that there's, there's some joy in his voice? And he's saying, yes, that is what I'm looking for. Man, I wanna see more of that around this place. This is great stuff. Way to go. Way to go. Or do you kind of imagine in your mind that maybe there's a little sternness in his voice and he's, he's maybe saying something like this. Wow. You know what? I think you got a lot more to give and I just haven't seen it yet. I think there's a lot more to you and I want to see it. Can you give it? I don't know. It's one of those things. Wow. Imagining working for the Lord. And it, it kind of changes the perspective of the workplace, doesn't it? I mean, I know some of us have some really crummy bosses. I mean, they never encourage. They say mean things. They're kind of grumpy all the time and blah, 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 blah. You can go down the list. And then there's some of us, you know, who, who work for ourselves, our own bosses, and we kind of go, hmm, man, I, I've kind of been lazy lately. I haven't been very diligent. And, man, I guess I could, could step it up some, huh? How have I been treating my employees, you know? So there's some things there that really, you know, if the Lord is your boss, something changes in you, doesn't it? I mean, because you, you really want to please Jesus if you're a Christ follower. I mean, you, you want to do well for him. Well, if, if you're a recipient of grace, if you're a child born of God, isn't the reality that Jesus is your boss? He is your Lord? I mean, that's kind of the equivalent, Lord, boss, I mean, except for a more universal, bigger sense there, but he's your Lord. And guess what? I mean, Jesus, your real boss, wants you to serve your boss in the workplace like it's him. That's what these scriptures are saying. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. You know, don't you realize how this could really revolutionize the workplace, I mean, not just here in Asheville, but in, in North Carolina, in our country. If every Christ follower was serving in their workplace as if they were serving the Lord, I mean, there wouldn't be morale problems. I'm sure people would be getting along together with their coworkers better. I'm sure there'd be more production going on in eight hours of work than there ever were in four hours of work a day. It would change things completely. Wow. If we could get this perspective, if we could get this view... And who knows, maybe even crummy bosses would turn into great bosses if they had employers, employees that were serving them like they were the Lord. Wow. Now, if you're a Christ follower, I want you to know that this just doesn't stop at the workplace. No, it doesn't. So students, you're not, you're not off the hook here. Let's, uh, and you don't have a job. Hmm, you're not off the hook either. So, but let's read, uh, okay, I'm not gonna read. We're gonna skip this because it was already done by our crew up here and they really, I, I was gonna read it again just to reemphasize it, but Matthew 25, 40. 
And basically here, you know, Jesus sums it up. It says, the king replied, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You know what really stands out to me with those words? Brothers of mine. Who does Jesus call brothers of mine? If you look back in verses 35 and 36 of Matthew 25, you'll see a short list of those Jesus called brothers of mine. And it's a little surprising. Who are his brothers? The hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the, the, the inadequately clothed, the sick, and the prisoner. You have got to be kidding. Those people? But Jesus, I mean, you mean, you mean that guy walking over there on the railroad tracks with his clothes half rotting off of him? You've got to be... Wait, Shannon. Shannon, remember... Remember, that's, that's one of my brothers. That's one of my brothers. Whatever you do for him, it's as if you're doing it for me. Wow. Wow. Sometimes, you know, you run into those who are without. You, you run into those who are sick. And, and you sometimes feel survivor's guilt. I don't know if you've experienced this but, and, or even heard of it, but survivor's guilt is kind of that thing when like when there's been a catastrophe or a tragedy and a lot of people have suffered, but there's someone who somehow miraculously didn't suffer. They weren't harmed. And afterwards, they're looking around at all the people that, that are not okay and they're, they're struggling with, why am I okay? And I think sometimes maybe we, we run into that ourselves with the people that we in, in, engage with and we encounter. And I know that some of you here, I mean, this is a wonderful group of people here at Highland. I know some of you have already been involved in, in serving those who are hungry, uh, clothing those who need, need help, giving, helping with shelter. You've been in the hospitals. You've been visiting uh, in the prisons. We got people here at Highland that are doing that kind of thing. I want you to know. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And sometimes helping others can really make you feel good. It's this strange, crazy thing. But I hope that, that when we are doing those kind of things, that it's not only about a good feeling or, or that we're trying to appease some sort of survivor's guilt. You know, as you give or as you serve one of the least of these, one of these brothers of mine, as Jesus calls, do you, do you look at them and do you see Jesus? Do you, do you say in your heart, as you're looking at them, Lord, this is for you. Lord, this, this is for you as I do this. You know, some might say, you know what? That is exactly, that is exactly what my heart says. And that's, that's what I want to continue doing. That's what I want to keep on doing. And, and where are those people that, that Jesus calls these brothers of mine? Where are they? Just point them to me. Some of you are like that. You're on the edge of your seat. You're, you got your feet ready. You got your running shoes ready to go. And in Jesus' parable, I... I don't believe his list of brothers is a definitive list. You know, he mentions the hungry. He mentions the thirsty, the inadequately clothed, the outsider, the sick, the prisoner. And, and this is a large group of people in this world. And it is a great place to start. In fact, I encourage everyone here to start there with what Jesus mentioned. But, and, and, and I think maybe, you know, 
maybe just a little check for all of us would be just to ask the question, and this is not, not a, a heaping guilt kind of question. It's just a question, a reality check for all of us in going, is my life lining up with the Word of God? And the question would be this, when's the last time I was in a prison? When's the last time I went to a hospital or I visited a sick neighbor or took something to them? When's the last time that I helped uh, with, with someone finding shelter or helped someone with getting food or clothing? When was the last time? It's just a question. Just to ask ourselves. Just reality check. And I, and I know, I know, hey, lots of us are busy. Lots of us are busy. But, but I, I'd like you to think of one person on that list. The stranger. The outsider. You know, there's a few of them that walked in here today. They're here. You're here. Jesus says that the stranger, the outsider, is one of these brothers of mine. So, hey, it could happen right now, today. You could, you could obey the Word of God right here, right here in this place and welcome someone. Welcome a stranger. Make them feel like an insider instead of an outsider. It's your move. You can do it. Yeah, but, but I said there are other brothers out there. I don't think this list is definitive. I think there's, there's more. There, there, there are these brothers everywhere. You can find some you can find some at, at, at the retirement homes and some of the nursing homes, care facilities, right here in Asheville. There's some folks there. In fact, if, if you'd really like to, to do something about this, I mean, uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Michelle Sullivan and Miles Hutchinson are going to be leading a group over to one of these places, and uh, they're throwing a tea party for all the people there and just hanging out and really welcoming them and, and loving on them. It could be done. It's very simple, very easy. You know, some of these people, um, some of these people are single moms, and there's a few single dads. You know what? I don't know how they do it, but they could sure use a helping hand every now and then, just help watch the kids, help with a meal every once in a while. I, mean, I, I know about that. I, I grew up with just my mom taking care of just two kids, and it was, it was tough. I, I don't know how she did it, how she made it. You know, there's a, a ministry um, that a Highlander named Kim Kern is involved with uh, here in Asheville. And she helps lead uh, a ministry that provides help and shelter to young women who are escaping sex trafficking. And, uh, and uh, I don't know if you knew this, but living not far from Atlanta, you know, five hours away, um, did you know that Atlanta is the seventh largest sex trafficking industry in the world? I mean, right up there with Bangkok and some other major world cities. And uh, they surpass dollars generated. They surpass NASCAR in the number of dollars that are generated in that sex trafficking industry. And, you know, and living not too far from Atlanta, Asheville receives and provides a safe place for some of these women who are escaping that. Now, I say escaping because... Uh, there are some, they're actually in traps. They've been enslaved. Uh, I, and I, I, I said I'd come back to these words, slave and master, because when I, I first looked at these verses in the passages that talked about how we respond, you know, there is the correlation to uh, our employers and that sort of thing, but I wanted to say when I, when I shared the verse, now, when slavery used to be, 
I wanted to say, when slavery used to exist, but I couldn't. I couldn't say that. And that kills me that I can't. And, and I, just, I just have got to tell you this, and I can't go past this little part right now without telling you this. But 143 years after our Constitution outlawed slave trade and slavery, 60 years after the UN did their declaration of, of human rights and banned slave trade globally, there are now more slaves in the world than any other time of history. 27 million people in slavery. Now the governments that belong to the UN will report that there's, there's 12 and a half, nearly 13 million slaves in the world and, 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 and report the numbers from their country. But non-government officials will tell you, okay, the government's trying to make themselves look better than they really are and really the number is twice that. And that's where 27 million comes from. You know what? Of that 27 million, a large portion are children under 18. Do you know a portion of those trapped in that slavery are also forced into sex trade? Modern day slavery is evil, it's sick, it's horrible, and no one is talking about it. We're worried about health care, and there's people in our world enslaved. Man, you know, most slave trade is, is concentrated in Southeast Asia, but it also has pockets of it in Africa, in Eastern Europe, and in major world cities like Atlanta. And I know some of you grown up and in this area go, Atlanta's a world city? <laughs> when did that happen? It's happened in the past 15 years. Letting you know, there are people from all over the globe that live in that place. Now we can prevent we can prevent that kind of stuff from happening. I mean, children, children being enslaved in this. We can stop that. It's got to stop. But you know what? Right here, we can make that stop for just a few children that we already know and some of us have already met in India, the Asha House with uh, the 61 ministry that we're, that we're helping. In, the, in a few months, we can, we can stop. We can stop those orphans from being caught up in that cycle and being trapped into that kind of slavery. But they are in danger. And so what, what can we do? Well, in the next couple of months, you're gonna have the chance, we're gonna be offering sponsorship of children who are in the Asha house. And you can sponsor a child like you do with Compassion International or World Vision. You'll be able to see the child, all that kind of stuff, and sign up. And... But it's an opportunity where we can stop it for one kid and prevent that from happening. You know, the least of these are everywhere. And Jesus says, if you serve them, it's like doing something for him. It's like doing something for him. And I know some of you are so busy trying to survive yourself. I mean, with the economy the way it is, people losing jobs. And I know that you're working many hours just to keep your nose above water. So I say it again. I say it again. You can serve Jesus at work. I know you might be busy, doing work, but you can serve Jesus at work. You really can. Serve your boss as if you were serving the Lord. It counts. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 7. Before telling you more about by why this whole, mat, whole thing matters, I, I'd like to address 
really how this affects us and our friends on the street who worship with us here at Highland. And uh, time and again, I've been told by, by different ministry leaders uh, of organizations here in town, uh, some of them Christian, some of them are state-run, and I've been told by these leaders time and again, Shannon, do not give money. It's not helping. Don't give cash. Direct people to our ministries and agencies which have the services that can really help them. And we've, we've been asked by city leaders to not give cash directly and to use our spare change for real change by giving instead to the organizations that really can help the homeless in the long run. And I know for some of us with, with big mercy hearts, I mean, that's hard to hear when you're looking into somebody's eyes and they're saying, you got a dollar, man? I know it's hard. But you know, but you know, if you look at Jesus' words in his parable, money wasn't ever exchanged. If you look at those words, it says food was given, drink was given, clothes were given, welcome was given, comfort and care for health was given, friendship was given. We can do that. I think we have a model here in the scriptures that can guide us as a church in helping our homeless friends and at the same time obey our city leaders. I think we can do it. So what I need to say is don't, don't give any cash. Just give the direct need if you're moved to give. You know, if someone needs dollars for ga gas or for a cab or for food, don't, don't give the dollars, but offer a ride. Drive them yourself. Or take them to lunch. Don't give them the cash, just take them to lunch. Sit down, talk, get to know that person. See behind the eyes what they think and what they feel. You know what? You can even offer your clothing if you want. Offer it off your back, give it to somebody. Now all that does cost you your money, doesn't it? So it does cost somebody. There is money somewhere how involved in that. But maybe you don't have much. You don't have much money. You don't have much possessions. But you know what? You know, we got organizations only blocks away from here. Blocks away where you can walk someone to the place where they can receive food and all kinds of help. You know what? I, 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 I put some of these out in the front. And uh, uh, there's some people that helped put this together. Uh, it's called a Real Help Guide. You know what's listed on here? There's listed all the agencies with their phone numbers, their address, where you can go where uh, women and children's shelter, uh, veterans place shelter, uh, places to sleep, places where there's food, places uh, offering uh, help for those who have faced uh, sexual violence or assault, um, those with mental health issues, those who need to detox and need a safe place to do that. Tells where you can go, where, who to call. On, there's even a schedule here saying this is where food is being offered at this time. And I tell you what, there's almost food being offered every time of the day, every day of the week. And so I, I encourage you to grab one of these so you know how to help somebody or direct somebody. And the least you can do is maybe you can't help directly, but you can, you can take somebody where they can get help. Or you can just give them one of these and they can find the help themselves. So I encourage you to do that. And... Uh, we need to start helping with direct needs. You know, and I know sometimes that, you know, that there are real special needs, you know. Uh, one of our guys, one of our friends from the street had, had a, a tooth that was just killing him. Uh, we helped 
get a tooth pole. Uh, one, one of our friends on the street found a place, got settled, needed some furnishings for it. We helped do that, you know? So there are special times when we help with needs and we jump in with help during needs. But everyone, including me, including me, need to stop giving cash because it's not bringing real lasting change. And I think most of our homeless friends who attend Highland regularly don't solicit for money during our gatherings. But those who do who are, or who are new to Highland, I just, need to, I just need to ask you to stop asking for cash. And I don't mean stop asking for help. All right? All of us ask for help at different times and, and numerous times in life. We all need help. And the Lord wants us to mature so that we're neither, neither dependent upon others nor totally independent of others. But he wants all of us to be interdependent. That's what he desires for us in our maturity. And, and part of maturity in Christ is learning not just to be a receiver, but to learn to be a giver. And, and I just want to acknowledge, you know, some of our friends on the street are here early in the morning, and they're helping setting up these chairs that you're sitting in. And I just want to acknowledge that some of our guys are learning. They know what it means to give, and they're giving what they can. So what, I, I just want to remind you, though, what, what was that verse that's kind of the theme for this whole series? It comes from Matthew 20, 28, and it's Jesus' words, and he says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? Not to be served, but to serve and to give. You know, if we're Christ followers, we say the same thing, right? We're trying to imitate Jesus. We're trying to do and say as he does. So uh, maybe we should say that. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give. That is a shocking statement. Maybe let's say that together. Let's say that shocking statement together and realize and, and feel it coming out of your mouth, all right? So you're going to repeat after me. I did not come to be served, I did not come to be served. But, to serve but to serve and to give. And to give. Was that a little shocking? I, I, yeah, well, I, mm, boy, we, we might need to say that more often to remind ourselves of what Jesus wants and what, how we're supposed to imitate him. You know, Last thing that I want you to know here is that all three passages, the Colossians, the Ephesians, Matthew 25, all three passages about serving people as if you're serving the Lord all mention reward from God. They all mention reward. You know, reward is different than grace. Reward is merited. It's earned. Grace is free. It's an undeserved gift. Now, each of these passages are directed to people who understand grace and have already received it. Those who walk in grace and serve others as if serving Jesus, they will be rewarded. They will be rewarded. Now, I know maybe that doesn't sound very altruistic, but I just want you just to listen a minute because there's something that I want you to understand that I think that could really excite you about serving. I, I was reading with our, our group that's meeting on Tuesday mornings. We've been reading uh, through the Sermon on the Mount this last week. And, and in the Sermon on the Mount, I notice where Jesus repeats this phrase three times. And he says this in chapter 6, three times. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then Jesus goes on to say, don't store up treasure for yourself on earth. But instead, store up for yourself treasure in heaven. And then Jesus ends this portion of the Sermon on the Mount 
saying, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, I think there's many times that I've, I've looked at verses like these and similar verses, and I've said, yes, I should want things, the things of God more than the things of earth. And I should do the things and be part of the things that store up treasure in heaven. But you know, for the first time as, as I, I looked at those verses, I didn't think about what I should want or I should desire, but I started seeing what God desires and what he wants. You know what he wants for you and for me? He wants you and me to have his righteousness. He wants you and me to have his kingdom. He wants you and me to have treasure in heaven. That's what he wants for you. Stop thinking about what you want or don't want and just take a moment and think about what God wants for you. And it's kind of, kind of exciting. It's kind of exciting that God wants this for me. God only wants to offer his righteousness in heaven, which come by an undeserved gift called grace, but he desires you to be rewarded when you get to heaven. Now, when you trust Christ with your life, salvation begins for you. And a place in heaven is begun being prepared for you. Matthew 25, verse 34, said there's a place that's being prepared for us since creation. And at the same time, there is a, so to speak, a rewards account. Just like some of you got your Delta Awards or American Airlines Awards or whatever. You know, and it can only be started, this rewards account in your name, can only be started on the foundation of grace in Jesus Christ. Or it will be defaulted. Anything you try to put in it that isn't upon grace is defaulted. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 15. And if you really, if, I know some of this idea of reward is disturbing to you guys. And so if it is, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 to learn more about this. But on this earth, as you walk by faith, you're going to have opportunities to store up treasure in that heavenly account. Now some who've received salvation will enter heaven one day and they will find that they stored up a lot in heaven. And there's going to be much rejoicing. And then there's going to be some people who's, who receive salvation and they're going to get to heaven and they're going to find that they stored up a little in heaven. And there's going to be much rejoicing. And then there's going to be some people who receive salvation and they get to heaven and they realize they didn't store up anything. No treasure in heaven. Drats. But they're still rejoicing because I'm in heaven and I'm with Jesus and he's my reward. Woo! So, it's all good. It's all good. But you know what? God desires for you to have treasure stored up in heaven. And he doesn't want you to get to heaven and go, drats, I stored it all up on earth for myself. And now somebody else has got it. And I don't got it with me in heaven. Man, I wish I would have thought about that a little more. Mm. You know what? How do you begin storing up treasure in heaven? Well, I think it can start 
It can start with serving others as if you're serving the Lord. Those verses, like the one in Ephesians 6, it says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he's slave or free. God does that. He really does that. He rewards people. The Lord desires some things for you. I'm going to ask the guys, the band, to come on up here. They're going to continue and lead us in some worship. And we're going to kind of transition to another time, in a time of communion. But I just want you to know that the Lord desires some wonderful things for you. He desires that you serve with zeal, that there's fire. He desires that, that you do this wholeheartedly. He desires that you serve others as if you're serving him. You know what? And he desires for you. He desires that you have a reward in heaven when you get there. Those are good things. Now, remember what I said at the beginning. You know what is the overarching thing over all of this? Loving God and loving people. And like Sue was, was talking with the children, this overflow of love, that's what it's about. And we have a Lord who loves us very much. And in fact, he, he loved us so much, they demonstrated on a cross for us. And when we come together, we're here because we believe, we believe in the life of Jesus, what he did. We believe life in Jesus, the cross. We believe in life with Jesus, the resurrection. And we tell that story, and that's our story. And if you believe that story, Jesus says, I want you to do something in remembrance of me. I want you to remember what I, what I did for you at the cross. And I want you to do this as it's a new covenant. It's a deal between you and me. And it's a reminder of this new deal between you and me, this new covenant. That you belong to me. That I've bought you, that i purchased you with my blood. And you didn't do anything to earn that. It wasn't because you were serving wasn't because you were doing good. It's because you believed, you trusted me, you put your full weight on me. In the next few moments, um, there's gonna be some people around the room, they're gonna be holding a goblet with juice and some bread on a plate. And you take that bread that represents Christ's body and dip it in that juice that represents Christ's blood. Remember what Christ has done for you. So as the song is played, you can get up at any time. And again, this is a thing that has to do with you and Christ in this new covenant and your trust in him. And so if you have that sort of trust in Jesus Christ, then you're welcome to participate in this. This isn't about being a part of a certain church or a membership. This is about belonging to Jesus. So I wanna invite you to participate in this time. Pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, your plans are so good. What you desire for us is so good, Lord. What you did at the cross was just a, an amazing demonstration of what you desire for us. God, impress it upon our hearts. Make, it, make open the eyes of our mind, the ears of our heart, that we might hear this and see this and know it to the depth of our being. That you care for us, that you love us, and you've gone to great lengths to make, us, make a way for us to come to you. Thank you, in Jesus' name.